Hello and welcome to Elite Team Leadership by Wish You Were PM. Today's special guest is Mark Dobson, affectionately known as Dobbo, and we got the chance to catch up because Dobbo is a talent consultant. So for this episode, I was super excited and we really delved into the real key strategies of what he uses by working with the absolute best of the best. And, and he works with elite athletes, you know, high-level business people, are really about maximizing their talent. And we got a chance to sit down and we had a good chat for you know a good hour or so right here and recorded it all for you guys to listen to. And really key strategies that you can apply to your life. We cover some cool topics um, from you know a little bit of goal setting to but your vision for yourself and how to go about that and and really creating what you really want. Uh, Mark is so insightful and I was really lucky to sit down with him and share with you all here on our podcast. So I hope you really enjoy whether you're going for a walk or a run or you're listening in the car or you're simply sitting at home uh, with this podcast playing. I really hope you enjoy this. I guarantee you'll get a lot out of it. I did too. And um, I'd love to hear your feedback about it. So enjoy. Hello and welcome to Elite Team Leadership. My name is James O'Connor and today I'm super excited um, to have Mark Dobson here. I'm a talent consultant and we're really going to um, get right into all things leadership, um, getting the really best out of yourself and um, producing great teams. So welcome Mark. Thanks, mate. I'm stoked that we are doing this. Absolutely. <laughs> After a gazillion texts back yeah, and forth. We went back and forth a few times, but uh, we managed to get there. So, um, but no, excited to be here and uh, thank you for taking your time to do yeah. this. Um, so, I guess we'll first start off, Mark, a little bit about your background and what you've done over the past few years and um, what you're currently doing, and that'd be great. Uh, well, uh, it's funny, <laughs> you know, I started this game, uh, I started running a youth club when I was about. 16 yep local church youth club and i think it was running pretty badly and i think some of the parents there said hey do you want to be do you want to try to run a night or something evening so i started running local youth club and i ended up with about 200 kids coming every second friday night and uh i had no idea that what i do now was being born because there's a whole rule about ten thousand hours um, so I was running this local youth club and I was clocking up hours and I was just having 200 kids come consistently. And the good youth club's got like 30 kids. So where was this? It was a church youth club in and no religious agenda. It was just like a hall. Yep. And every second Friday night, it was like, can we get kids to come and hang out? So they're doing something constructive. So you were at the front just running presentations for these? No, it was, we'd all have every second Friday night had a different theme. Like we used to, uh, I learned two things to get the kids to come. One, remember every single kid's name. Yep, yep. And two, give them something they can't get anywhere else. Yeah, okay. So there's no point having, say, a pizza night because they can get pizza anywhere. Why do they come? So we got access to Toys R Us after hours one night. And Very not only cool. that, we took on a bus trip there and we had the bus uh, got pulled over by the police and I got arrested and the kids thought that it was all legit. <laughs> so, you know, the kids are going, this is sick. <laughs> So I was running that, doing all sorts of unique activities like that. Yep. And it was the only youth club you get suspended from. A kid misbehaved, I said, you can't come for the next three weeks. And the kid's like, you're joking. You know? So I had a knack for it. So then I worked on summer camps and became in charge quickly. And I was doing that for a long time and doing a lot of school presentations. But if you're running youth programs like this, already some of your audience goes, oh, it's kid stuff. But it wasn't until I got an Australian swimmer faster, suddenly you're the man. 
Yeah. It's the same framework, same strategies, but you're doing it to a cool environment. So now I'm doing that with, as I developed kids and created an awesome experience for them, yep. then I started to go, well, how do I do that for other people? But re- what really happened, kids were coming to me with problems. I was finding I instinctively knew what to do and I was learning. And then junior athletes came. And then after junior athletes came, senior athletes came, coaches called me. Next yep. thing I know, I'm helping all these incredible athletes. And then business started to contact me. So this was over a period of, like, how many years are we talking from the start of the youth to to getting up to that elite level? Uh, well, I probably did my first work at, at the AF, at, with some North Melbourne players in the AFL for the yep. international people. That's Australian, the Australian equivalent of, say, the NFL, I guess. Yep. Um, and I was actually, the quit campaign had brought me in to speak to some of the players about interacting with kids when they were doing presentations at schools. But then the athletes saw something else and started to call me independently and say, hey, can you help me with my form? So that was probably happening, I was probably about 30 or something, so maybe 12 years in. Yep. But it was never, I was never trying to do that. Yeah. Uh, and then now I'm 41, about to turn 42. So it's been 24 years of doing this. Yes. Uh, I've never worked for anyone else. Uh, although there've been some significant projects, um, but one of the a friend said to me a long time ago, he was shocked that I'd been accepted to do some work at that level. And then I did some other work for some other clubs. That I don't want to sort of talk about too much, but then he said to me, Mark, to get in once, you can be lucky. To get in multiple times, you must be the real deal. And that was an interesting bit of feedback for me because I was just getting on with my life. And now I look and I've been involved in elite environments a lot. Yep. I'm like, oh. I must be all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, so all your um, learning, you said instinctively yeah. in that, yeah. but did you, were you constantly, are you an avid reader? Are you yeah. listening to everything, get your hands on sort of thing? Yeah. Or what do you, what do you? I devour content. Yeah. Um, but I think there's different stages that people go through in that. I used to read everything I possibly could, just yep. read ferociously. And, but I wasn't a reader as a kid. So when I was 21 and started working on summer camps, I didn't really read. I think I might have listened to Stephen Covey's high, you know, Seven yep. Habits Highly Effective People yep. on cassette. Yep. And then I read Anthony Robbins' book. I think everybody does the Robbins thing and I'm a big fan of his content. Yep. But that was the first book I ever read and it was like, it's pretty chunky. Yeah. And I was on a train traveling through Europe and I was, oh, my goal was to finish the book. And since then I've read a lot. But then I hit a point where I'd read so much, I realized it was about implementing it. Yeah. It was so much more about understanding, not having a framework, not having a strategy, not having a model, but just in loving your life. Yeah. And I got tired of giving everybody else advice or seeing their life get better and mine wasn't. And so the last 10 years, I've really just focused on how do I enjoy this myself? So you've... Um... Not from a selfish point of view, you still have your clients and friends, but... Your mastery is, can you apply it to your world? Yeah, so you've gone from real learning stage to really applying it to mm. yourself and really getting right into it. Um, and I, I guess you want to touch on later, but is that, actually we've got, got an event of yours coming up as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, is that where that sort of stemmed from the last 10 years putting into this event coming up? So what happened was, when I was a kid, I ran, uh, no, I, I received an award with through uh, Rotary, it's called the Ryla, and some people will know it, Rotary Youth Leadership Award. And I got there, it was a week program for young leaders and uh, the guy presenting, it was really fascinating, but I was like, straight away I thought, oh, I could do that. Like it just clicked. Yeah. So, and I'd run a lot of camps for my, as, as a kid, kids like literally like for the youth club, three-day camps. And I realized for a three-day camp, I always wanted another day because you can create a pattern, like you got three nights, you can create pattern. So then I invented my own program 
called Aspire. And that ran for 15 years and we could fly from all over the world and over Australia and people would come to this program. And the rule was not the best four days of your life, money back. Don't care if you've been to space. And we ran that for 15 years. And I stopped running that about eight or 10 years ago. I was plugging a smoke machine in one day and I was like, I'm done. I just, just yeah. clicked, done. So this new program called Live More is... It's like an adult version of that. And this is this is the first one you're coming to. It's like the seed one. I'll, I'll do a couple of test runs and then it'll take it huge. But I, I think that we live in a world where a lot of the advice is just generic. It's infinite. We say safe things that you've got to have goals. And my opening line in my book is you do not need goals. I think it's, it's a, if your car breaks down, it's not always the wheel. And everyone's obsessed with goals. And I, I just think it's stupid. We regurgitate that though because the public will accept it. And your clients will accept it. So no goals. So so not none. You don't none. need them. Don't need them. There's okay. a, such a great. Over, for example, if I have a goal that I want to eat healthy, yes. But I think I'm an unhealthy person. I'm in conflict straight away. I go to the fridge yes. and I see the sandwich and the apple, and I get them, but I also get the chocolate. Yeah. If I'm a healthy person, I don't need a goal. Eating healthy is a natural byproduct product of who I am. So you what you're always starting with. Living it, really living the outcome rather than actually even setting the outcome. It's interesting when we talk about leadership. The real question is, who do you want to be? And 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 the art of being, it. So, I want to be world champion. Well, if you're a world champion, then just be it, and yeah. it will play out. Yeah. It's about identity. So when we look at that live more program that's coming up, everybody wants to live more somewhere in their life. I'm outlining the framework that, okay, no, this, this will get you a result. This is different. This is a way of thinking that isn't the how-to, step one, two, or three. Because I think I heard someone else say once, if the how-to worked, we'd all be rich, sexy, and you know, thin. Yeah. Um, but how-to, people don't stick to how-to ever. Like how many times have you read a how-to book and you didn't do it? That's because it's a... A lot of the stuff we're regurgitating is we're trying to understand it ourselves so that we write it into a book, yeah. but we're regurgitating other people's crap trying to get our head around it. And I think what's been really interesting to me being in a high level, in a lot of highly competitive environments, and I'm not necessarily a competitive person, but being in these environments, you're held very accountable. Does the strategy work because you're measuring it by a hundredth of a second? Yeah. And also in business, I've always had a policy, if I'm not worth it, you don't pay. Yeah. And I said to a sales team recently, the biggest challenge they have is they get they get paid no matter what. And I said, I'm in this room and if we don't hit the target, I don't get a cent. Mm. So when you've got that level of accountability, you look for what actually works, not what will be pleasing. And I don't mean that the advice is mean or confrontational. It's just when I say you don't need goals, you don't need them because the need creates an X, but there's a time when you want something and you go, I'm going after that. The mood is more important than the target where's that goal coming from and it should be seen as a stepping stone to something much much bigger mm. yeah. a stepping stone is a like a goal is tiny so to extend on that i had a swimmer contact me and said you know he'd lost his motivation and i said what happened and he said i'd always wanted a, an olympic medal and he got it and he stopped and i said i'll oh, fool on you and i was in his face about it and he, he's like what do you mean i said you, you had a goal he's like yeah and I said, now you want another goal? He said, yeah. And I said, well, you got, had a goal and you got it and you want to use the same strategy because you got your goal and now you're flat. So now you're going to get a goal again. This is stupid. And he's like, well, what should it be? I said, what you want to have is a vision and that is to leave the sport 
an icon of the sport. Yeah. Now that's uh, that allows for infinite growth. It's a big vision. Game changer. And, and what was his reaction when you sort of said that to him? Did you he, drop those words to him? Did his yeah, eyes... Yeah, he totally got it. Yeah. Now he got himself in such a funk that it was going to be a bit difficult to make that shift. Yes. And often when people come and chat to me or they first get introduced to me, they're not sure who I am or how I fit. They think you're a psychologist or a counselor or they think that talking to me displays some level of weakness. So sometimes people are a bit reluctant trying to get their head around it. So, so you know, without the details of that story, that resonated. And you can see it makes sense, right? Like uh, if you go, people go, I want to weigh 90 kilos. No, you want to live at 90 kilos. Yeah. It's a bit like sitting in, yeah, the diet for yourself. Yeah, that it's a it's a lifestyle change, mm, I guess. It's a lifestyle. Mm. Yeah, I'm just gonna put out. This is sort of blowing my head away a bit with this goals. It's interesting. Mm. I love to keep um, actually on it. It's yeah. um, with yourself, I guess. Mm. You're really setting. You do set your own vision for yourself, mm, and yeah. and what sort of without setting steps, what mm. sort of things do you think about yeah. and um, ask yourself? Yeah. In, in getting to that point where you can go. Mark, you know, say to yourself, I want to be this, this yeah. is what I want to be. How do you get to that? So, yeah, no, it's tricky because, you know, like this is not about um, trying to catch out on words because like the how-to doesn't work unless I'm building an Ikea, you know, cupboard. And then even then, the how-to, we always make one bloody mistake, <laughs> don't you? You pull something apart. Yeah, they're all tricky little things. Oh, damn it. And, <laughs> you know, yeah, they see it's on the shelf. It costs you 500 bucks. Plus yeah. what they don't should write is it and a day of your life building the damn thing. But the point is that the idea is not to, um, there is a place for how to, but what's more important are principles. And when I'm looking to develop what I want to do, the first thing I'm trying to establish is why, what's the purpose of any exercise? And I'm always keen to flush out someone's core purpose. And mine, for example, is enjoy your greatness. And that's not me. I will go to people and I'm, my, my role on the planet is to have people enjoy their greatness. Yeah. Everybody can enjoy their crapness. My job is to help people discover phenomenal levels of talent that they haven't recognized. Yeah. And I, I can see it. It just makes sense to me. I can see it. So we've got a, uh, a company I'm consulting to at the moment. Their one is to liberate people financially. Now, wouldn't you love to go to an accountant that is trying to liberate you financially? Yeah. Well, actual fact, that one's actually, a, he's a mortgage broker, actually, but there's actually an accounting firm. Their one is liberate people's lifestyles. Yeah. So they're big in that. So BMW's ultimate driving machine. Nike's just do it. There's this, I usually find you get it to three words, a core purpose. Yep. And you start with purpose. And there's some videos on that, I think, online somewhere about people pitching this different ways. But the art is to get those three words right. Yeah. So they last. Then off that, I'm looking for a vision. And a vision is, let's say you applied yourself to that for 5, 10, 15, 20 years or until you die. Yep. What would it look like? What would be the result? So Walt Disney, for example, the Disney company has got a 50-word mission statement. Now, if you turn up to school, if you turn up that day to Walt Disney and you see, you turn up to the Disney company, everyone's sick, you're 16 years old, they give you a uniform and go, mate, just read the mission statement and go you're going to find the kid doesn't know what to do right Walt Disney's was make people happy now you give the kid a uniform and go make people happy he's like I'm all over it yep. so once you've got a core purpose you've got a decision making framework for everything what you mail out how you answer the phone everything Yeah. and so I'll go to companies and say what 
uh, what percentage of your people know the mission statement? And they'll go, none. And I'll go, all right, tell you what, I'll get an entire company, to rem- 100% of them to remember their core purpose. And if they can't remember the core purpose, then there's no fee. <laughs> and I'll work out the core purpose, three-word statement, tell everybody, people grab to it. And now we can build something. Do you work that for them or do you work out with them? Oh, no, you work out with them. Yep. I, I workshop that. Yep. And it's not difficult. It's, it's difficult if there's a lot of people involved. So there's a board of like 10 or 15, it's harder. But most of the people didn't build it and they're just managers running it. Yep. And so they don't really get it. See, sometimes it, you don't always need to... It's not always the board. Sometimes the janitor gets the company better than janitor, such an American word. The yep. cleaner gets the work, gets the... Um, gets the vision or is aware of the purpose much better than the rest of the company. And then you build a vision. So, and that's going to be relative to what industry in. So Walt Disney was in cartoon. And so his vision wasn't, he didn't build a park. He built a land. Mm. It's infinite. So for me, I want to die having left behind a body of work. Yeah. Because I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm a communicator. I make complicated things simple. And I would love it that people could follow my work and have a question and be able to follow their own thread, like a choose your own adventure. Yeah. And that's what I'm building. And that's why I say yes to these things. And that's why I write and I create videos. And hmm. So that's the start of the framework. There's a bit more to that. But the first thing is, why are you doing this? What's your reason on the planet? And really, it's usually a contribution to the people around you. And the second thing, well, if you could do that infinitely for a long period of time, what might it look like? And don't get caught up in um, getting it right. Mess around. Like, like for me, it looked like books. It would look like interviews. It would look, and then I realised, oh, it becomes a body of work. So it's not a, yeah, it's not a simple thing to work out. But once you got it, it's awesome. What's your, what, are the, what would you say the two or three biggest um, things holding people back from getting that sort of vision for themselves and, and discovering that purpose? You know what they're really about and want to um, become. One, people don't want it. Because, and I, because when you really want something, you hunt it down. And I don't think that's people's uh, real agenda to, to have that level of personal clarity. They, it's like, oh, I want to be thin. Well, you could probably eat differently. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so oh, you don't really want to be thin. You like the idea of being thin, right? So, but then let's say someone does have a desire, right? Busy. Busy is the problem. And the Buddhists say busy is a type of laziness. Yeah, yeah. So, and I had a great example recently where one was saying, you know, she'd be getting ready for an exam and she couldn't start studying until she cleaned. And another example of the way that plays out is that you want to clean your own space, but you can only notice all the crap from all your people who you live with or your friends or whoever they've got their stuff there. Mm. She said, so when we've got a task, we're so quickly distracted because distraction is easier than actually sifting through our own content. And really, if you're going to clean your house, you need to do it properly. And if you're going to work out your vision, uh, you need to um, you need to allocate time. So what I do to get out of busy is I actually allocate deliberate time to thinking this stuff through. Like, it, like I allocate usually January once a year. Yeah. And I don't lock in anything I'm working on or any belief or any new project. It doesn't get locked in until... I just wait till the end of January. Maybe that's not right. And I keep reading, I keep thinking. And at the end of January, I allocate an entire day with a bunch of friends and we all share our goals. And that's the day to go, this is what I've worked out through January. Yeah. 
and you're revising this every every January. You come back in yeah. and revise this and look at your vision, look at your purpose. And the vision and the purpose doesn't change doesn't much. Change. Okay. Not see, it's like cleaning your house. So if you go and really do your house properly, not just tidy for an afternoon, you spend six months going through every item, throwing stuff out that doesn't bring you some sort of happiness, really throw shit out. Yeah. Then you'll never really have to clean much again for yeah. the rest of your life because you did it. Because everyone's got a box of stuff that they. It just piles up. They've got clothes. I might wear it one day. I don't know. So you need to do this with your brain. So I spend a couple of Januaries just really, most of my life to it, really thinking it through, going, what I've been working on is not working. And what do I believe in? And why am I doing this? And, and asking people, what's, what have I, how have I impacted you? What is it this I do? And listening. And then, so I don't need to spend as much time every January. Now I tend to spend time uh, January mainly, but um, thinking, oh, how's it going to play out this year? What's my, what's the project? What's the, am I going to be involved in? What would help liberate the project? Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so I guess with people, I was just sort of thinking with the whole, you got set aside January. Um, mm. Now... <laughs> people are going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I work for myself, exactly. so I've got some freedom, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was yeah. thinking. So I guess you, I think it's a big... Um, well, it's actually something, you know, a lot of people go through is that transition phase from, you know, particularly in Korea, I guess, is one starting a business, maybe the, the yeah. rent of running. Mm. Um, I guess, what's your advice on people making that, that switch? Because people are busy. They've got their, you know, they get their mm. full-time job. We have it's got their bills and yeah. things. And then you're trying to maybe chase your yeah, purpose and fulfill it with your, maybe your work or mm. some other sort of activity. Yeah. Like, how do you... Fit the stuff in, I guess. Yeah. I guess just, yeah. just explain it. Like, I know yep. people would just be screaming for this. Yeah, okay. So a couple of things. You've got to get your money sorted out. You have to get your money sorted out. Uh, and I've got a couple of videos online that people can see. And I'm more than happy to create a link on my webpage for people to go and look at some resources for this. Because I know how frustrating it is when you go, they say, oh, <laughs> he said that, but where is it? Like, I yep. need more of that, right? I need to revisit it. So whatever you ask me for, I'll give you. Okay, yeah, this, so. perfect. We'll do a link on after this sure. podcast, yep. for yep. sure. Yep. So... So then, um, you've got to get your money sorted out. Money bleeds. Every financial institute on the planet is trying to take your money from you. They're not trying to make you rich. Yeah. They're trying to make you take your money from you. Even though you go, oh, no, I've got my super. They want your money. Everybody wants your money. What I recommend is to have a bank account. I've got extended, vi- extended videos on this, but have a bank account where you're putting some money aside so you've got a buffer. So that you can take a week off, you can take ten, you can take two or three weeks off. You need to be just drip feeding money to the side, and you need to get yourself out of credit card debt. Yep. So to get yourself the time, you money is time. Yeah. So the next thing is that you need to be able to increase the amount of money you're getting for your time. I don't care what kind of job you're in. That means earning more in less time. Yeah. Boss, I'm doing really well. Can I have a raise? No. Go to another company. And if you're not getting, or listen to them, they say you need to do A, B, and C, or they say, all right, I can't get a raise, but can I go home at four o'clock from now on if everything's still done? So the other thing we need to do is get our money sorted. We need to get our time sorted. People tinker with their time. They go, oh, I'm going to allocate half an hour to go to the gym on Monday mornings. Or uh, or they think, you know, I'll allocate some time to the goals on Saturday afternoon. No, no, no. You need a game changer. A resignation letter is a game changer. That changes your time. Yeah. Joining a gym isn't a game changer, but having somebody wait out the front of your house every Monday morning is a game changer. Yeah. And then they're there going, let's go for the run. Now, I'm not saying you need to resign, but 
but I can say that when I was sick of the couch in my house when I was younger and none of my mates buy a new one, I got a chainsaw and cut it in half. It's a game changer, right? And I just put some cushions on it. <laughs> cut it in right? half. Right? No, I, I did. I got, Literally a got a chainsaw. Literally out. got a chainsaw and cut it in half, like right? Because I'm like, this is not happening. We're just, we're, we're cocking around. Yeah. So money needs to get sorted and you need to give yourself, maybe, maybe for some people you're in a really bad way, it's going to take a couple of years. It doesn't have to. Give yourself three to six months and just start to spend a day. And like, you know, where's my money going? Can I set up another bank account? Have it, and the banks are going to tell you to go. Oh, I just need these. Have this account, that account. No, I've got thirteen bank accounts. Every time I open one, the bank tells me I don't need thirteen. I'm like, well, you look at the size of your bank accounts. You look at the size of mine. I think I'm going with thirteen because <laughs> I'm not super wealthy, but I've got a lot of freedom because I'm just dripping money into the accounts so that I've got money for the overseas trip in one account. I've got money for if the shit hits the fan. I've got money for that. So yep. you need to get your money sorted out. You have 13 bank accounts. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Was it, yeah. I think the classic one, and I've got a feeling I'm going to be in the classic one, yeah. is an everyday account. Yeah. You have your savings account, you have your credit card, yeah, and yeah. then I have a business account as yeah. well. So. And, so, and I think there is a video I've got on that, and Robin's teaches some pretty good stuff around it too, but people have got money in their savings account, but they owe money on their credit card, but they want to keep money in the savings account because they feel like they've got a little bit of put aside. Yeah, but you're actually going backwards because... Yeah. Right, so you know, I guess that's some of the stuff that happens. We do a little bit of that, live more, but I'll give you that. I, you know, give away the resources, but because this is what I mean about you know, you want to get a result. So number one, get your start getting your money sorted, sorted out. Number two, start getting your time sorted out. So keep a time log. Where are you bleeding time? Yeah. And when it is, take significantly take something out. And everybody will start saying, "Oh, but I can't, I can't, I can't." Rubbish. There'll be a way. You start carpooling, so the one night of the week someone else is driving your kids somewhere, or you uh, you start going right on the train. I'm going to be doing this. I'm leveraging that time. Whatever. Yeah. Um, the next thing is that you usually need someone's framework to go through to to work. Yeah, to develop whatever it is you're doing. So it doesn't matter really whose book it is. It doesn't matter whose audio it is. You just need to answer someone's question. Someone else to take you through it. Typically. I'll be, listen, I'll be reading three or four books at once, but I'm a different kind of cat. But, yep. uh, and I think the other thing you need to know is if someone's charging you seven grand to sort out your life at some incredible cause, it's crap. You're their customer. Yep. And the number of small businesses, I run, sometimes I run like either, either free or very affordable, like super affordable courses. And I say to these companies, like if someone's saying you $7,000, I've got all the answers. $7,000 sounds like a lot of money to you. It's too much money. Yeah. Because like the course that you're talking about coming on and I, I don't need to market it. It's not my agenda, but it's 295 bucks for two days. Yeah. And I'll, you can see how much I will talk to you telling you now in like 40 minutes or something. It's like, in it, I know I'll get the outcomes. It's mm. 295 because I don't, I don't have debt. I don't have a BMW. I don't, I'm not trying to finance an ego. I just want to help. Yeah. And people go, oh, that's an affordable price. So the other thing I would say, if someone's charging you a bucket load of money, that's a distraction. Go, oh, I should do it there. No, there's heaps of free stuff that you can use to think it through. Yeah. yeah. So it's really money, time, time, and then resource. We get a resource. And, and resource, yeah. And, and, and with the resource, you're just saying, basically a lot of people sort of have the pattern, but you could sort of find it at an affordable price out there. Yeah. You can just go and buy just about anybody's book. Yeah. And that that will help you think through, like, for example, it's going to be career. If you want to start, I'd go with something like um, I Could Do Anything If I Only Knew What It Was by Barbara Scher. Yep. Um, 
if it was going to be something like general personal development, you're the easiest easiest way in. You'd probably choose something like Anthony Robbins' Notes from a Friend. If it's a spiritual journey, if you've never really read anything like that before, you do the Celestine Prophecy or the Alchemist. But if you really want, you go, yeah, it's kindergarten for me. Then you're going for conversation with God, um, and yeah, it just goes on. There's yeah, and if you go to the self help section in your bookshop, you're going to find it. But the first thing is you you've got to allocate that afternoon to reading. But then usually people get to, they go, oh, I got distracted and then it, or something came up, I had to do something else. No, you, you didn't make it so important to you. And then, so I guess once you've done, you know, you're working, you've got a plan to improve your finance, improve, improve your time and got your resources. Um, now, I guess from, like, what other key sort of aspects are, are yeah. people lacking in? Because, yeah. um, so people, all these people listening to this are going to yeah. grab those three. Yeah. What other things do you think obstacles yeah. are going to face? And what else do you need to build up in, in terms of over this next you know, yeah. six, 12 months? Yeah, so one of the most important things that you can look uh, develop is your ability to recognize good feelings. So many of our behaviors are driven from guilt. Like we have an anxiety. Oh God, I got open the mail or oh, I should call them back. And if you're calling me because you feel like you should call me back out of guilt... Don't bother. Who, I don't want your attention because you feel threatened or sad or, or frustrated. Or, but if you you can't wait to talk to me, I'd love to hear from you. But people don't recognize the healthy feeling because they live so much of their life acting on guilt. And if we go back to the example of the healthy eater, the healthy person eats healthy food. Yep. And if you're driven by guilt and angst, then you take actions that not only that invest in relationships and activities that match that. So the most important thing you can do is note what feels good. Not from a pleasure point of view. People confuse pleasure and fulfillment. Not from a, oh, so it feels good to punch him in the face or it feels good to eat this whole bottle of ice cream, you know, tub of ice cream. Does it really feel good? In a moment, but fulfillment lasts mm. longer than that. So some people go, I'll clean the house, then I'll hang out with the kids. Well... Hanging out with the kids is probably much more fulfilling. Yep, you still need to clean the kitchen, but which is your priority? And a Sunday afternoon or, a, or an evening just, you know, setting up some blankets and hanging out with your kids, you know, pretend, you know, fort might be, may not be fulfilling. Some people they feel uncomfortable, but also if you love the idea of that, if you love the idea of that, then you need to move on that. And the reason the youth club was so successful, because I was like, well, what would I want to do? Yeah. I wanted to play... I wanted to be in Toys R Us after hours. I wanted to have a chocolate pie fight with 600 people in it. So I organized it. (laughs) And I think the most important thing people can do is notice, when when does it feel good? Because most people won't give themselves permission to feel that. They'll think, oh, I should be doing something else. No, it's okay. Guilt is massive, isn't it? Mm. People holding people back. Mm. Um, who who are the people you sort of like read but who's mm. who do you think are the real experts in that area of you know, helping people overcome guilt and from that from really holding them back what are, what are your sort of I think Brene like, Brown stuff's the strongest have you heard any of her stuff I, I, I've listened to her um, TED talk yeah um, so Brene Brown's got something called um, The Power of Vulnerability it's yep. extraordinary and then she's got a few spin-off works and I think that's a re- I think she's got some really interesting content, really, yeah. In, in, when you're specific to guilt, mm. uh, she talks about shame and, and vulnerability and people aren't excited about shame, but really 
shame is that experience when people turn up and your house is messy and you just you're mortified yeah like you can look across on top of my piano there there is about a month's mail and I don't care there is a month's mail by the way no. yeah it's a month's mail and yep. I'm not embarrassed about yep. it I don't I go I choose how I live I'm like oh, yep. there's no guilt there's no I'm like I'll open it just because they sent me something doesn't mean they're in charge of my life I don't have to open it yep. and people will be freaking out when they listen to this but that's when you start to go no but what would feel better what would feel better is just getting on with my life and doing that all in one hour once a month yeah so this is when you develop your capacity to recognize what you love and what you enjoy then you'll be able to spot it and you'll be able to go oh that's actually what I want or this is who I want to be hang out with or I think that's the most powerful tool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to get you going into a bit more on the team side of things. Mm. Um, you've done like a lot of work, clubs, mm. in sport, mm. business. Um, in your experience, what are some of the key things that you've seen with producing great teams? Like, what do great teams have over mm. an average team that's getting average results? Well, my expertise is more so individual talent. I've noticed I'm not as strong with, with teams. Yep. Um, probably just because of my own personal reference, I wasn't playing team sports. Like, you play team sports, but, yep. you know, some of these guys really play team sports. Um, yep. They all want the same thing. And you've got to check that. So, I go to companies and they don't all want the same thing. They're kidding themselves. They don't. One person's just trying to look at their clock and they want to get out of there and... Someone else is just bluffing their way through the meeting and someone's worried about their family at home and it, none of it's a crime. But the great team all want the same thing, as yeah. bad as each other. Yeah. And I, I think as a, as a leader in a company or even a, a sporting club, the first question you've got to ask, even at the start of a meeting, what, what do we all want to get out of this? Just tell me straight up and get some level of are we even on the same page? Because if we're not on the same page, then we, I'm not going to try to swing you or anything. As a matter of fact, I'll try to help you find a job in another company, not aggressively. I would actually go, mate, this is not a match for you. You've got to get out of here. Yeah. And so the first thing is they all want the same thing. If you had, if you had a, if you were running a meeting cell, you were the CEO mm. of a company and mm. you were asking those questions, what, what, what sort of, or, or if mm. you're a coach of a club, what sort of, um, how to set up an environment for that sort of conversation to take place? Because I can just see, I can picture people in a boardroom and that just really ducking those questions mm. and really not mm. putting their true answers out. Like, what sort of, how would you get an environment or how would you get the, yeah. like, the in, people to be that honest about what, where they're at? Well, first, if you've got a lead, that you've got to be that honest. Yeah. So I'm pretty open with people about what I want. Like, I'll say to my clients, uh, things like, my, I'll openly say my agenda. My agenda is that I want to earn enough money so that I can spend my time for free working on these other projects. And so I will charge you a lot of money, but I'll also get you what you ask me to do. I'll deliver. And they're like, all right, like that's as simple as doing that. And then they realize that you're a straight shooter and it's not aggressive and it's not, it's not blunt. It's clear and it's open and it's honest. It's not mean. Some people go, oh, just being honest. I go, no, you're being mean. That's different. Honest is when you speak a truth. Yeah. So you start that. So with some of the teams I'm working with at the moment in businesses, uh, I'll, I'll pretty much go and go, guys, I've got about two hours a week to work on this. That's all I've got. But I'll, I want to get that outcome. I'm fully committed to it. And they can see by my behavior. 
And so that's, that's where you start. You start with your level of honesty. Yeah. The second part is, and people don't even know when they're being dishonest. It's like the guilt thing. People don't even know that they're moving out of guilt. Like people don't even know they're telling white lies. Yeah. The next thing is, um, if you've got a culture that isn't used to this, it will take a transition time and it'll probably be very difficult if you're already immersed into it for people to, uh, for you to shift it, but it's possible. One, you never make an announcement that there's going to be changes. You never do it. You just start and after two or three months, people start to say, actually, you know what? Things are a bit different around here. You don't put up a bloody poster. Don't go from now on, we're going to be doing this. You just get on with behaving that way. Yeah. Um, and the next element of that is uh, I will have a start date for a new culture in that somebody might come in late and I go, I go, I'm late, I'm sorry. And I go, yep, that's fine. It's not going to work if we always do this. It's the only currency everyone's got is time. Yep. And uh, I totally get it, man. It happens. It does happen. And then I'll just let it go. Now, now something else might happen where somebody goes, oh, I forgot to call that guy. And you go, well, you said you'd call him. Like, and so I'll point it out. And then a few weeks in, I'll be like, guys, two weeks from now, I'm going to start something new. There's been a couple of times we've been late. So I've already mentioned the rules. Yep. They've already come up. Yep. Haven't called people. It's just not going to work. From that day, from now on, we're going to do it like this. And I'll have a launch date where they're clear. Yeah. And if somebody... I don't think late's one to focus on because it's not going to really get you the outcome. But if somebody turns up and they haven't got the data for me or haven't done what they're meant to do, I'll just say, and I'm pretty, I can tell by the way I speak sometimes, I can be blunt, but it, I'll say, that's cool, just don't come to work. Go home. Just go home. Yeah. Because I know with HR, there's all these rules about how you're to handle things. Well, you're allowed to send someone home. Yeah. And go, don't come to work. Go home. You know what? It doesn't work. Yep. Got told to do it. And uh, there has to be an immediate consequence. Not like, oh, yeah, I spoke to him. I'll send out a group email. Somebody's been parking in the wrong spot, you know, or some people aren't wearing the proper outfits. No, you aren't wearing a suit. You've got your car in the wrong spot. Fix them. <laughs> like, mm. And I think we, we don't really put the rules in for culture. We don't enforce them. No one knows how to have an awkward conversation. So if you're a leader of a you know, business mm. or a team, you would, you would really take that responsibility on and have those... Um, you know, the, that, those rules in place with people and very clear on the penalties. Is that what you just have? Yeah, but they're not rules. It's a culture. Culture, yeah. And what we're looking for is what behaviours will be able to allow us to build our vision. Yeah, yeah. And and people know. They'll, they'll tell you a story. Oh, but this happened. But they know. And once you quickly get on with doing it that way, People will quickly start to realize that they need to do that. For example, when you're a kid, there were some teachers when you handed up your homework, if you're a couple days late, you knew you could get away with that. Yeah. There's other teachers, if you spoke in class, you knew that you could lose a limb. <laughs> yeah. And if you all have those teachers. Yes, we all have, right? And so, <laughs> yeah, and so you can be the kind of person that says, I love you, but if you, if you are not going to be part of this team, then I love you, but get out of the team for yeah. a day. Yeah, for an afternoon or this meeting. Mm. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, from that, I actually sort of want to swing on, swing across. I'm just I've got a couple of key points because I was really excited to get you in, mm. and um, there's so many areas I could bloody talk for hours. But I really want to um, go into probably your area that you've done most work with, and that was yep. with individual talent and really mm. absolutely maximising people. And you mm. work with some. 
whole range of people. I think yeah. I watched a YouTube clip of you working with um, a guy who was memorizing. Um, Tanzel. Yeah, memorize yeah. these Sydney Yellow Pages. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like, that's. You go, Tanzel, what's on page 2,945? And he's like, oh, well, that's the plumbing section. And he can tell you yeah. all the major ads on that. So, not every line, but anything that's in bold or more. And the name and the phone number. Yeah. Incredible. Like, yeah. Chris touch on how did you work with him, obviously? Yeah. Like, give some insight. Like, I've, yeah. I've never seen anything like that until I watched that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fascinating. And I think, like, you ask someone, people, what's the rule? Seven things or something most people can only remember. Yeah, remember seven, seven plus or minus. Yeah, two. plus or yeah. whatever it is. Um, well, give some insight how, how you, you conduct such a. So, someone like Tanzel is a. Um, He's, he's, people just want to say, oh, he's, he's a freak. And yes, he's done a freak thing, but he's got a very good strategy. Yeah. So I'll give you a simple example. You remember your drive to work or your drive to local shops perfectly. You know, your bedroom perfectly well, you know, where everything is. Yeah. So when he's trying to remember something, he will link it to things he already knows about. So he's walking out the street. Oh, red letterbox. Oh, how can that remind me of, you know, this section of, you know, a in the yellow pages, yep. but obviously what he does there, he's got extensive um, frameworks for doing that. So he remember all fruits with the letter A and then he's, he memorizes them and he links everything to it. As a matter of fact, he's written a book called The Yellow Elephant, which you can see right there. Yeah. Okay. Is, and some of my work's in it as well. Yeah. And uh, The Yellow Elephant explains these things. Yeah, yeah. So he's got clever strategy. It's just like if you meet somebody new and their name's Peggy and you go, oh, they look a bit like a pig and you make the link, you Peggy, Peg, <laughs> there you go, you made a link, right? Yeah. So he does that in a very, in a very clever way. In a very, in a, obviously hugely thorough way. Yeah. Mm. And then he's come up with amazing, it's in, mm. in reciting a whole page. Yeah. So, and in my role in that was a couple of things, but he was trying to uh, win the, a couple of memory competitions or try to get in the top three or something. And I said, I just threw my hands up in the middle of a session, just going, I don't get why we're doing this. And, and he's like, what? He's like, he's, this is really important to him. I said, I don't understand. Why aren't we trying to dominate? Why are we going for this pissy little goal? And he'd never thought about dominating. And when the yellow pages called him to do the memory, to see if he could do it as a publicity stunt, that's how it came about. He said, no, he didn't think it could be done because he had to remember something like 24,000 digits in, in, uh, in 21 days or something. The, the information's out there. It's on my website, actually. There's an interview with him. So I, I, I managed to break to my friends. I can remember yeah. 130 digits of pie, but this just makes That's me... Awesome. Yeah, it makes you like, yeah. <laughs> look like an absolute... Yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah. my job was... And then he later realized, he goes, actually, it'd be an opportunity to dominate. See, once you've got a vision, it's cemented. In, in, yep. He's just like, oh, I had to play. It's like a healthy person. He goes, oh, but I want to dominate. And he goes... So it, it itched and he... Mm. So yeah, interesting people like that. And then swimmers that... Uh, like quite a few of the Australian swimmers at different times. So I was coaching the Australian swimming coach, Ian Pope, yep. which meant that I worked with all his swimmers, which was Hackett and Clem and Welsh and yeah. Matt Target, Marika Gura. Um, who else was down there at that time? Pat Murphy. Yeah. So what sort of, um, were they, all the conversation with those athletes mm. and coaches, were they having similar issues or not issues, similar mm. challenges or what was the main thing that you were working on with them? And, and, and what sort of key things were you implementing mm. or asking them or what were you advising them on? You, you just, all, all I am is an educated friend. So yeah. you're just hanging out and having a coffee or breakfast and you're just chewing the fat. And I, I look for what I call um, truth frameworks. And a truth framework is that if you followed it like the steps in a map, if you follow those steps exactly, you'd get there. 
Yep. And people don't realize in their way of thinking or in their strategy, they've actually got a dead end. Yeah. They don't even know they've got them. So they might just say something off. They're very subtle. At my level, I can do it sort of. I can just pick little ones. But at, at um, it, they might just say something like, oh, oh, I should be eating better. And I'm like, really? Where'd, where'd that come from? Like, has somebody given you that feedback? And they're like, oh, I just feel like... Oh. So I'm checking that stuff. So you're just doing that over conversations. But what I'm really doing in those all those conversations is everyone's got a different problem in front of them. And so you're helping them with the decision-making framework. You're going, what is the decision-making framework for doing this? So for example, I'm buying a car at the moment and I ask my friends, what's your decision-making framework for buying a car? And some people go, oh, you got to buy with your love. And I'm like, oh, really? But then... I buy a $50,000 car and I love it. A few years later, it's going to be worth 30 grand. I just lost 20 grand. Is loving something that much worth 20 grand? They go, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm like, well, I'll put 20 grand, you know, investment account and yeah. compounded. I'd love that. Yeah. And then someone else says, oh, you know, you want to buy one that's straight off the, uh, you know, don't buy one that's brand new because you're going to lose too much money. And someone else says, uh, well, depending on how much money you're spending in a car, you don't want to spend a greater percentage than what the car's worth when you're fixing it up. And everyone's got all these rules and I'm looking for them. They go, they don't stack up as a sound way of thinking. Yeah. So when I'm working with these guys, they're trying to work out if they should retire or they're trying to work out if uh, how to beat that foe or how do I how do I cope with this media attention? Yeah. And I'm looking for the truth. What What will work? So I've been behind a lot of media press conferences where I'm just briefing someone, but it's not briefing like on television with a clipboard or something. Yeah. They've texted me going, oh, I'm about to go and do this media conference. And my brain goes, oh, shit. So I like text straight back going, call me now. Because yeah. my instinct is, oh, that person's competitive in their nature. They're going to try to fight the media. I'm like, mate, wouldn't it be smarter if we said this and this and this? And it's not a manipulation, it's a truth, but they haven't got to that point yet. Yeah. They would get burnt. So a lot of it's just subtle little conversations so they don't trip up over themselves. Yeah. So mm. it's more of just like, yeah, okay. Just as a, as a advising friend, yeah, that's really cool. Um, and we, we, I guess with those athletes, um, on, on competition day, are you involved in there as well or are you just you really mm. want to lead up to it? Or what's... Well... Someone like Matt Target, who some people know, um, won multiple medals at the Olympics and World Championship gold. We had breakfast every Friday for, and every Wednesday rather, for nearly five years. Yeah. And, but I knew Matt longer than that, and he just started to go, oh, this is really worthwhile. And we have some pretty honest conversations. Like, I will tell Matt exactly what I think, not in an aggressive way, but in a clear way that has some risk to it. And that's what. Also, what Brene Brown talked about being vulnerable. That's quite vulnerable. You actually tell someone what you think because they could reject you. They could never speak to you again. But you go, but I think this is in your best interest to hear this. Yeah. It's an art to do that though because sometimes you'll go and tell your wife or your partner, oh, look, the truth is I think you're fat. And you're like, you know what? That was suicide. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. not, there's a smarter way to do it. So with Matt, it was like that. We got ourselves resilient that I didn't, that, that, that it was just in him, the ideas, even in, under duress. Someone like Colby West, who's a skier, and I went to the X Games, he found the, the week of competition quite stressful. The nature of their sport is they don't have a coach necessarily. And he could have multiple competitions where 
if something didn't go right, he needed somebody to remind him. Yeah. Literally go, hey, mate, aren't we meant to be doing this? Or I think that went well. And just um, there's lots of strategies that get used there. So in that sort of situation, I'm actually there. But a lot of the other times, I don't need to be at the event at all. Mm. Yeah, okay. Well, Mark, we're actually sort of coming towards the end of the um, mm. this uh, podcast episode. Like I said, well, I'd happily see you for a long time, but um, I've got a couple of final questions for you, just sort of wrapping up. Go on. The second last one is, if you could, if you are on, on your deathbed mm-hmm. and you had to recommend three books, I've touched on a few tonight, yeah, yeah. three books for people to read, just three books to get the most out of their life, what would be your three? Oh, well, well <laughs> oh, uh, how old are they? How old um, is the person? Like, I don't know. I'm too, I can't, I, I can't okay. be general. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Oh, we'll say they're the thir- 30s. We'll say okay, 30s. 30s. Okay. I think Conversations with God changed my life. Yep. But before I read that, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior was very, very influential. The way by Dan Millman, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. It's also a movie, but you know the books live something else, and that led me later to be able to receive the the information in conversation with God because I found that very very challenging. Yeah, it actually outright, and I've read it nine times now. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, I I think that's really really crucial. There's another beautiful book that's really astounding. Just want a beautiful book called uh, Uncommon Friends. Okay. And this guy was friends with Henry Ford, Edison, who invented the light bulb, Lindenberg, the longest flight across the Pacific, something, Firestone invented the tire, and I think it's Cartel or somebody, doctor, somebody who invented open heart surgery. He was friends with five people who changed the, se- the century. And that's just a fantastic story. Wow. Um, I feel like Napoleon Hill was probably similar boat, wasn't he? he yeah, was that's right. Hanging out with those guys. He was, time. he was. But this guy was just accidentally like lived across the road from him <laughs> yeah. and then friends with the Ford family and, and was a player. Um, Talk about proximity with power. Yeah. Oof. And I'm trying to think what other book that lives with me a lot. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe, oh, I'm, I'm a little stuck. I'm surprised. I'll have to, I'll have to have a think. There are books that I come back to all the time, but, well, you've probably got three then. Yeah, we'll give you. Th- yeah, let's go. Yeah, you got three. That's three. three. Yes, we're up to three. Done well. Yeah. Um, final question. Yeah. Um, again, you're on your deathbed, so you're dying a lot. This at this point. I feel so well. But no, exactly <laughs> right. But uh, if you had this, this is the point I want to get across. If you had three pieces of advice now, oh, wow. if you had the three pieces of advice that you could pass yeah. on to whether it be yeah. your family or your your friends or just the people listening to this and hopefully we'll have hundreds and mm. in turn thousands of people listening to these um, recordings. Yeah. What would they be? Number one, you, there is nothing you need to do. There is no, there is no, there's no achievement that will make you a good person. There is no number of books you have to write. There is no uh, amount of money in the bank. There, there is no size house. Your dog doesn't love you anymore if you have more books, more cars, more houses. It just loves you. When you know that, you can live differently because you don't have to do anything for anyone out of obligation. So the first thing is there's nothing to do. So you can smile all day. If 
yeah. next thing would be you, you have a nature you have a nature something that's natural to you and you'll think it's a curse but it's a, it's a mild superhero strength and you a power and you need to watch the things that drive you crazy and realize they're a strength if allocated to the right thing yeah and I would also say the last thing I'd say is if there is one thing you focus your life on make sure it's developing your capacity to love yeah love the people around you love the stranger in the street and if you don't know how to do that the easiest way I heard from conversation with God actually and it's beautiful it says at the critical moment in any human relationship ask what would love do now if you're acting purely out of love and love comes in many forms yeah but they would be my three it's a good piece of advice um, do well, I die now is that what happens now you do unfortunately <laughs> oh, this, you, this podcast <laughs> no crap. one told you that <laughs> well, well thank you again I really want to acknowledge you uh, Mark for coming on this and um, and for all the great things you're doing um, you know you're inspiring so many people um, it's really yeah I really want to acknowledge you um and I really hope you continue and really um, there's some great stuff. And I'm excited to come to your event mm. in a couple of weeks, nice. uh, which um, if anyone does have, you know, is it 23rd and 24th of May this, this yeah. month coming up? Yeah. Um, so I think there's still... Is there yeah, there's places. If you go to the website, which is my nickname, Dobbo, D-O-B-B-O, yep. uh, .com.au. Yep. And there's forward slash L-M for live more, but you'll yep. find it anyway, Dobbo.com.au. Yep. The other thing is that if you go to my the webpage, there's a free download of my book on goals, which Perfect. says and it makes a very strong argument for not using them and shows you what to do instead. And if you're looking for a framework, yep. this is a framework which I've gone, this works. I've used this over and over and it's an easy read. You'll yep. just love it. Um, and so if you go to the webpage, dobo.com.au, you can then just, uh, on the first thing, just type in your email address and we'll send it to you. Perfect. And I... Um, I'm not going to spam the hell out of you. Like what I do to those. Anytime I've got a good video, I just give it out to that community as well. Awesome. That'd be great. Well, thank you very much no, again. Pleasure. Um, I look forward to catching up for the events and I'm sure I'll we'll have to catch up again, do another one maybe sometime this year and uh, yeah. get an update and everything. It'll be great. See so you go after the program. Your brain will be spinning, mate. <laughs> so Absolutely. Thank you. thank you very much. Cheers.